When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves for Macca's Juicy Angus Beef and the Law. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Good evening. Welcome to the Macca's Run. Jordan Canellis-Smith, you here on a Wednesday night, a beautiful Wednesday night in Melbourne. A great day to be in this city and a great day to be a sports fan. As I look up out of the window, I see bright blue skies with no cloud in sight. And as I look down, I see bright green carpet-like grass. We're at Amy Park tonight. That's what I'm describing to you for the A-League in a couple of... Well, just over an hour from now, Melbourne City and MacArthur on your radio for some live midweek sport. Simple pleasures in life. Midweek sport is uh, certainly one of my simple pleasures. Sometimes you know what the simple pleasures are in life. Sometimes you don't. It's, uh, you take them for granted. But midweek sport certainly not one that we take for granted. And we've had midweek sport for you every day this week with the, uh, the last two days of the Test match on Monday and Tuesday. A-League tonight. There'll be NBL tomorrow. We'll have Friday track on Friday. And then a similar story next week with cricket backed right up into the start of the AFL season. So... SEN, your place for midweek and, of course, weekend sport. Plenty to get through on the program tonight on the Macca's Run. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive-thru. 0433981116 if you'd like to send in a text on the tempered text machine, a mattress like no other, or you can give us a call, 1300 736 736. Plenty to cover off in the world of footy tonight as uh, the captains had their say on what the uh, on their outlook of the season uh, for the AFL 2022 season coming up. Uh, there was the uh, traditional uh, polls and surveys that they do with the skippers, and they gave their thoughts uh, on who they reckon will make the finals, the grand final, who win the, the Brownlow and the Coleman. We'll touch on a bit of that in a moment. We'll touch on some round ball game. Clearly, as we are here at Amy Park tonight, we'll talk about what's been happening uh, in the A-League over the last... Uh, Last, well, last couple of days alone has given us uh, another serving of drama in the A-League. It's never short of drama, is the A-League. And there is a game on right now as well. Melbourne victory against the Central Coast Mariners, where it's half-time and the Melbourne victory have a 1-0 lead over the Mariners. Nick D'Agostino scoring 10 minutes before half-time. And that match is on SEN Fanatics. So if you want to listen to live sport, uh, they are in the half-time break. But uh, the Mariners hosting Melbourne victory is on SEN Fanatic. Julian Marcus and Clint Bolton are calling that at the moment, uh, the game we've got, as I said, is Melbourne City taking on MacArthur here from Amy Park. And there'll be uh, another match on at the same time, Wellington and the Newcastle Jets. So three uh, A-League games on this, um, on this midweek. Uh, midweek Wednesday, as Andrew Bensley likes to say on SEN track. The cricket has been a fascinating point of discussion, I feel. It, it might have been uh, a pretty sort of lifeless test match, the one that we've just seen in Rawalpindi with Australia and Pakistan. But all the storylines around the series into, or from uh, who got selected into the team at the start of the test match, Australia only going in with one spinner, to then all of the talks around the pitch and, uh, and its grading. 
So in 2017, the MCG's pitch was deemed poor by the ICC. The G and, and Cricket Australia were put on notice at the time to change it in order to make it more lively so it could give us a result in test matches. The pitch we just saw in Rawalpindi in Pakistan for the first test of this, uh, this Benno Kedia trophy didn't give us much over the five days. And frankly, it was not much better than the G some five or so years ago. There are talks that the ICC match referee, Ranjan Madugali of Sri Lanka, could investigate that pitch in Pakistan for its lifelessness and give it the poor classification, just like he did to the MCG. The PCB, the Pakistan Cricket Board, are pretty confident, uh, and this is just them talking and, and sort of trying to talk up their own venues, but they don't reckon that they'll get the classification, but it's not up to the Pakistan Cricket Board. It got me thinking more broadly, how poor is too poor? How poor of a cricket pitch is too poor? Where's the? Is there a cutoff line? Is it grey? Is it is it more defined? In quick in a quick summation, I think a cricket pitch that is conducive to constantly or seemingly producing drawn matches or more drawn matches than others should be graded as such. It should be graded poor. Ultimately, a sporting contest, you want to get a result. There has to be, well, it doesn't have to be, but in more cases than not, you want there to be a winner or a loser, right? So let's get cricket matches where there are there is a winner and a loser to the match. Draws are boring. We don't really need or want draws, even though they do happen. It's part of cricket. I understand and, and, and agree with the argument of producing more lively pitches, but when I said how poor is too poor, so where do we draw the line? Where do we strike the balance? If we make the wickets all action, then that could favour the bowlers too much. No one would necessarily complain about that because I think we all, most of us tend to think that test matches that are lower scoring and higher in wickets often produce more entertainment. Keeps the match close, it keeps the scores low and keeps everything very, uh, every, every target set in the preceding innings keeps it very attainable and achievable. Um, if the wicket isn't lively enough and favours the run scorers, then, well, we get to see big totals made, which is can be fun in itself as well. Milestones get achieved, centuries, double tonnes, the odd triple ton as well. But it may not necessarily see a result. More drawn matches may occur. If the ICC begins some kind of crusade to force each cricket board to liven up their pitches, then we begin to run the risk of homogenising every test pitch around the world to behave the same. Now, I'm not saying this is what the ICC are aiming to do right now. It's probably not really in their, in their charter, but this could be a slope that we start to slide down one day if we start taking more, more of a keen eye on how lively a pitch is. Homogenising cricket pitches might fix the issue of fairness, though, when it comes to home nations dominating matches at their own venues in their own conditions. If you increase the chance for travelling teams to win matches by homogenising pitches, then the, the road teams uh, might actually win more road games. They might even the competition. But then we lose the beauty of every nation having its unique identity. So nations want to design their own type of pitch to play on, creating different sorts of challenges for their opponents. And challenges those travelling opponents must learn to face and learn to beat if they want to call themselves the best. A similar analogy or a similar comparison can be drawn to Formula One. Formula One has a track designer, a German track designer called Hermann Tilker, and his tracks are uh, colloquially, sometimes pejoratively called Tilkerdromes. Um, he designed circuits all around the world, and while they all work to a functional level, they're all the same. They all have very similar characteristics and qualities, and, and therefore they all kind of become boring. It has... They all have a similar number of straights, a similar number of sweeping bends, a similar number of tight turns, hairpins, S's. It sounds like a lot of variety when you throw all of that into one Formula One track, but 
when the F1 calendar is littered with tracks with all the same characteristics designed by the same guy, all of that variety becomes common and it becomes boring. There's no odd one out. So there's d different degrees to this. It's a nuanced discussion. I agree that the pitch in Royal Pindi was lifeless. You need to have something to give you a result. But Pakistan also, in the same token, shouldn't feel beholden by the ICC to change the identity of their pitches too drastically. If Pakistan's identity is to have pitches that are low deteriorating and have minimal spin, then let them have that within the boundaries of, of also letting it be a pitch that will also produce a winner at the end of, of five days or less. It's then put squarely on the away teams to equip themselves appropriately with the players and the strategies that they employ to try and overcome that challenge and try to win. So I'm not saying one way or the other that we should homogenise all pitches or that Pakistan should not, um, uh, should not feel obliged to change their pitch or, or, or do feel obliged to change their pitch. It's more of a striking a balance in between and, and having something that will actually give you a result, but not something that takes it too far away from what Pakistan want to create as far as a cricket pitch goes. one 736 if you'd like to give us a call on that matter. Over the course of the next hour, 0433981116 to send us a text on the temper text machine, a mattress like no other. Cricket pitches, homogenisation can also lead into discussions about, and I've, I think about this often with footy, so this is going to become, if it not already is right now, the talk of Melbourne over the next week or so as round one begins in a matter of days. The talk of defensive uh, strategies and defensive structures that coaches have employed. We all want to see fast attacking, flowing footy because it's more entertaining and it's, it hooks the casual fan in, it hooks new fans in, it keeps the existing fans around to watch an exciting product. But there's nothing inherently wrong with playing a defensive strategy. There's nothing inherently wrong with trying to be a dour team. A team like Geelong, people have lambasted for being boring or for playing too defensive football or playing anti-football. But if that's how they if that's how they believe they can win matches of football, then why are we trying to discourage them from playing that kind of style of game? It's, I, I understand the arguments around, all right, let's, let's create conditions that are fun for spectators to watch, but we shouldn't also... But if, if we try and discourage the defensive or the dour or the boring or the low wicket-taking types of wickets, for example, in cricket, then everything just becomes too much the same. I know sport is an entertainment product and nowadays it's all about making as much money as you can and increasing the audiences, but it also detracts from the beauty of the sport. Sport is not all just let's make it ultra exciting and uber exciting for the kids and the casuals to watch. It's, it's also a thing of beauty. There's different challenges that should be posed in different sporting arenas, whether it's one high attacking team playing a high defensive team or maybe a, a high... Uh, run scoring team normally playing on a on a cricket pitch that is high in wicket taking or vice versa. Homogenising sport can become detrimental, and we we start. I feel like we've already started to lose sight of of where the beauty in in sport is, and where the beauty in in defence and being stodgy and dour is, because that's that's part of sport. It's it's part of sport. We shouldn't try and discourage that. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to send us a text one three hundred seven three six seven three six to give us a call. So on the cricket, 
on the uh, off the back of the first test that we just seen, which is uh, which ended in a draw. Uh, Pat Cummins, the Australian captain, spoke about what might come up in the second test, and there's already uh, pretty strong talks that Mitch Swepson could be uh, brought into the team for his test debut, and we go with two spinners into the second test. Uh, Pat Cummins spoke about exactly that ahead of the next test in Pakistan. Uh, we'll have a look at the wicket um, first. Uh, I think it, it you know, may, have been, may have been helpful here, but I don't think it would have you know, made too much of a difference. Um, yeah, here you're probably expecting more up and down bounce and reverse swing, um, which is, you know, lends more support to the fast bowlers rather than spinners from, yeah, our intel from Karachi into Lahore is probably, uh, you know, second spinners. Um, probably the way to go, but we'll, we'll have a look. Pat Cummins speaking ahead of the second test. So the second test is in Karachi. The third test is in Lahore, and this test series will go through to just about the end of March. There's still plenty more Test Match Cricket coming your way on SEN. And, well, here is part of that identity, I suppose, is Pakistan's Raul Pindi. Uh, Wicket didn't have as much spin, but Karachi and Lahore might. So that's the thinking. And I, I'd, I'd like to see, away from this discussion on uh, on cricket pitches, just as far as Mitch Swepson goes, I'd love to see him play in Test Cricket. We haven't seen him yet. He's been, in, he's been named in so many squads, but as... Nathan Lyon has, has um, well, he's been well and truly cemented in the team now for about a decade as, uh, as the off-spinner and as one of Australia's greatest off-spinners. We haven't really seen too many opportunities allowed to other spinners. There's been the occasion, occasional one here and there. John Holland played a test match, I think, a couple of years ago as a second spinner, but nothing with great regularity. But Mitch Swepson has been always spoken about as the next Red Bull spinner uh, waiting in the wings. And he's been waiting in those wings for about three years now, so... Uh, if if it is indeed to be a, a strong spinning wicket in Karachi, then let's let's see a second spinner actually bold, and uh, and let's let's play Mitch Swepson. And I'm looking forward to seeing him play if he does indeed get named. Uh, Pat Cummins went on to speak about what the week has been like for the Australian cricket team. It's been tough going for all of the cricketing world, all of the the sporting fraternity in Australia and around the world with the passing of legends in the last week, and it took a mental toll on the Australian cricket team. Pat Cummins explains. Yeah, it's been a really tough week. Um, I think, you know, a few members were closer to Rod or Shane than, than others um, and everyone deals with it slightly differently. But, um, yeah, just being really open, trying to yeah, share stories and, and, and talk about it. Um, I think everyone's still probably like the rest of the world, just in a bit of you know, disbelief, um, especially, you know, the, the, the Shane, um, passing of Shane that happened so suddenly. Um, so... Yeah, just get around each other, keep looking after each other, and it's yeah certainly been a, a big point of conversation. And yeah, just you know, obviously wish all the close friends and family um, of, of both families um, still the best, and we've been thinking about it all week. Pat Cummins, there, the Australian captain, speaking about the week that they've just had among the Australian cricket camp. We'll talk a bit of footy, of course, this hour as well. The uh, the captains had their day today, where they do their survey and speak to the media. So we'll hear a bit of them later on. We'll talk about the Cats as well. Today is Geelong Membership Day. We've got a quiz coming up for you, Cats fans, in the in the next segment after this. So if you fancy a quiz and if you fancy uh, to if you fancy flexing your Geelong knowledge, Geelong fans, jump on the line because we'll do that in a couple of moments. Uh, but we will talk about footy as well and the headlines from the day. But uh, Peter in Lara is wanting to get us uh, away and running with the footy conversation. Peter, welcome to the program. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. What's on your mind? That's good. 
I just your point before about well, Richard Gordon's point before about how they're worried about money and uh, Tasmania not being financially viable potentially. The question's got to be posed about what Gold Coast and GWS have done to the AFL financially. Surely. Yeah, I find those I find those comments pretty. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a it's a defensive comment. It's I don't see how Tasmania. If if you're considering the Giants and Gold Coast, I mean they're not really. They might be in bigger catchment areas that have a broader scope, maybe just at a at a superficial level to be financially viable. But they they are in non footy states. They're in non traditional states, and I know that's where the AFL want to target their newer markets to, to expand the game. But really, I, yeah, I, I, I know where you're coming from. I understand and I probably agree is how financially viable is Gold Coast in, in a state that really doesn't care too much about footy in a, in a state or a team that's probably not making a heap of money compared to Tasmania where there is an existing football fan base, where there are people who care about the sport and where there is, there is a grassroots uh, element of footy that's already been embedded in Tasmania. So... Yeah, that, those those comments um, seem to be sort of on the defensive to just basically justify or try and defend the decision-making that the AFL has made. Um, thank you for the call, Peter. I appreciate it. And it's certainly one that's, um, that I hope we see ramped up again this year. We had a, a probably as, as meaningful and momentous a year as we had last year for Tasmania's uh, bids to join the AFL and, and bring a a new licensee and an additional license, or maybe take the license of an existing team. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that those, I hope that those discussions, because I, I think I fully believe that Tasmania are fully deserved of a team in the AFL. So um, I'd like to see it. How it happens, I don't know. I don't know what the best way of happening, what that happening is. But I've, I've got my opinions. And you have yours as well. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to send those in. Right, after the break, we've got a quiz coming up. It is Geelong Membership Day, and it's, uh, it's going to be a Geelong-themed quiz. So, Cats fans, jump on the line. We have a Geelong-themed quiz after the break. It's a five-question quiz. Uh, 1-300-736-736. The winner of the quiz receives a $100 Cats Shop voucher. So, if you're in need of a new Guernsey or a new scarf or a bunch of things, little trinkets and key rings that they sell in the, in the Cats merchandise shop, Got a $100 voucher coming your way on the other side of this for the winner of the quiz. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive-thru. The Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. For Macca's, juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. We are Geelong, the greatest... Oh, Cats fans, how many times... Will you be hearing that song after a match this season, season 2022? This is the Macca's Run. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive-thru with the McValley Bundle for just $24.95. Time for a quiz, a Geelong-themed quiz today on this uh, Geelong Membership Day. Join the Cats at membership.geelongcats.com.au. Log on, that's membership.geelongcats.com.au. We've got a couple on the line for the Geelong-themed quiz uh, we have Steve in Geelong, who's uh, with us first up. How are you doing, Steve? Oh, very well. How are you? Good, thank you. Ready to go? Let's go, yeah. Here we go. All right, question number one. Who do Geelong play in round one this season? Nice and easy. Uh, that'd be the country game v Essendon. Correct. It is Essendon. Well done. Question number two. 
Uh, Steve Hocking is your new CEO heading into this season. How many games did Steve Hocking play at the Cats? Oh. oh, I've got a feeling it's 199. You, that feeling is very correct. 199 games, just short of the milestone. Uh, question number three, Steve. Before 2007, when was Geelong's last premiership? Before 2007, when was the, uh, the drought was broken? When was it? Uh, that would be 1963. 1963 is correct. That should be pretty basic knowledge for any true Geelong supporter. Uh, question number four. Um, if you can get this exactly, I'll be very impressed, but I'm also happy to round it up to the nearest, let's say the nearest 10. Uh, how yeah. many games all up did Gary Ablett Jr. play across his two spells at the Cats? Ooh, um, I think it was three, four, nine total, so... Mm-hmm. 288. Oh, no, you're, you're a little bit off. You're in the, in the right zone, near the right zone, but just a little off still. Good try, Steve. Jump back on uh, if you reckon you can uh, make the most of maybe this stumbling block of a question. Uh, Travis is with us in Dingley. Welcome to you, Travis. Yeah, how are you, man? Good. How many games all up did Gary Ablett Jr. play during his two stints at Geelong? I'm happy to take it to the nearest 10. Um, it was just shy of 250, so we go 246. Oh, you know what? I'll give that. It was 247. I said the nearest 10, so 247 was the right answer. I would have accepted 250. 246 is good enough. Uh, last question then. Travis, you're in the box seat here for the $100 Cats Shop voucher. Uh, what is the name of the Geelong, uh, Geelong pub that Cameron Ling first bought? Um, what was that, sorry? The Cremoyne. I'm pretty sure that's Billy's pub, though. I'll just uh, say the Cremoyne. Cremoyne. No, not the Cremoyne, no. Thank you, Travis. Uh, jump back on. Shane is with us in Geelong. Shane, what's the name of the, uh, right, the pub that... Good. What's the name of the pub that uh, Geelong cat great Cameron Ling first bought? Uh, first bought? I know he owns the uh, the Gold Diggers. I don't know if that's his first one, is it? Mm. You want to lock it in? <laughs> uh, let's lock it in, <laughs> mate, because it's the only one I can think of. <laughs> Correct. It's the Gold Digger Arms Hotel. I'll give oh. that to you. Uh, well yeah. done. Well done, Shane. You get the $100 cat shop voucher. Uh, I'll put you through back to uh, Tomo, our producer. But well done. How are you feeling ahead of the season? Uh, excited, yeah. We're just more than happy to get back and actually watch some footy in uh, in real life. So we'll be down there mm. at the bottom from this game round one and hopefully we get off to a good start. Premiership window still open? Most definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. Good. I like the confidence. Thank you, mate. Have a good one. And, uh, and so we'll get your details off air. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Shane from Geelong winning our quiz. Uh, Cats... Uh, Melbourne Five memberships, so buy one, get one free. Today only, so join join now uh, on the Geelong membership uh, portal, membership.geelongcats.com.au. Uh, Geelong fans, I'm sure, will, will definitely say their window is open. I still think it's open as well. But for the rest of you, one 736 736 
It's I I think it's open. I don't think you can deny it's open. Even though people will say that oh they're too old and they're going to fall off the cliff. We've been saying this for years now. It's that conversation that 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 point that people are trying to make. We've been trying to make that point for almost four or five years, and it's not come true. They still keep making finals and preliminary finals and a grand final recently. How how dependent though is Geelong's success, or how dependent is the premiership window on? Well, I think the most important component of Geelong is the the Hawkins-Cameron partnership up in the forward line. So how dependent are their chances on on that partnership for as long as it survives? Because it's not going to be around too much longer, even though Tom Hawkins is still playing great football and still kicking bags of goals. He's 33 years old. So the ending, the finishing line is in sight. Previously, cats the Cats could probably rely on numerous facets all around the park. Um, it had been a, a machine of sort of equally valued components from... Uh, especially the, that elite group of players. So the defence, uh, Harry Taylor, who held the defence up for so long, Tom Stewart, who's an elite defender, the midfield of Selwood and Dangerfields and Cam Guthrie most recently. Uh, and then the forward line now of Hawkins and Cameron and, and the smalls that are around there that haven't got too many elite smalls, but small forwards who can certainly do the job. And I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what Tyson Stengel does now uh, in that forward line. But now that as that core of of that of the side ages and new players step up, are those new players at the same level to match what the soon to be outgoing core has created? So are the likes of you know Parfit and Narkel and Tom Atkins even and Sam Simpson are they good enough to uphold what Selwoods and Duncan and Dangerfield have created in the, in the last five or six years? As I said, I'm not I'm not going to say that Geelong are going to fall off the cliff. They're definitely one of the top contenders to make finals. I've been guilty of being part of the Geelong are too old brigade and it's burned me, so I'm too sheepish to go back to that well. Uh, but how dependent are the Cats now on, on Hawkins and Cameron being the partnership up front? It feels like that that is the, most, that is the single most powerful part of, of the Cats team, in my opinion. Yes, Selwood and Dangerfield are elite players, as, as even though Selwood is at the back end of his own career as well. Hawkins is still 33 and playing well. Jeremy Cameron's more than capable of carrying the load himself if he needs to. Um, but is it dependent now on that key forward partnership? Is it more dependent maybe on that partnership more so than what other teams are on their own uh, key forward partnership? There was Geelong, well, it is still Geelong membership day, but we had plenty of great Geelong figures on SEN throughout the day. And uh, Patrick Dangerfield's probably the face of the Cats. He was on SEN Breakfast earlier today with Gary and Tim to chat about the new season ahead. I think we, we had a lot of players last year, Tim, that um, were uh, significant to the way that we play that missed a lot of footy. Um, you know, Jez is a perfect example of that. So that continuity um, is is key for any side. Um, and, and we still played some really good footy. We finished in the top four and then we were well well beaten in the preliminary final. So, how, um, Just on that point, how banged up was the team in that prelim final? How the sick, virus there, yeah, how yeah. sick was that team in that prelim final? I think it's okay to talk about it now. Sick by the end of it. Oh, dear, Tim, that's, that's terrific. <laughs> then I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate. Um, <laughs> oh, for, for, for some, it was significant, absolutely. For, for others, I, you know, I, I was fine, but there was a few that I think... Um, you know, they hadn't had the curry the night before, but they weren't feeling terrific uh, on, on game day. But, you know, that's footy. You're not, you're not going to feel great in every game. I, I rarely do you ever play a game where you're feeling 100%, where it changes, where the, you know, if you're an iron guts and you don't have iron guts, that can be, um, you know, somewhat challenging, but that's the game. 
Patrick Dangerfield on SEN Breakfast earlier today. Jump on SEN.com.au or the SEN app to hear the full conversation with Patrick Dangerfield with Gary and Tim. And uh, Steve Hocking was uh, with Waitley as well earlier today. So another good chat there from our, uh, our programs today on SEN. The captains had their say from today's surveys. We'll uh, hear from those skippers on the other side of this. This is the Maccas Run live from Amy Park tonight as the A-League Melbourne City and MacArthur is your entertainment for a Wednesday night. We've uh, got both sides. We've got Melbourne City anyway. Got a couple of MacArthur players out there to my left, but uh, all of the Melbourne City team are out there right now in Amy Park going through their pre-game warm-ups. Thomas Sorensen, a uh, Premier League EPL goalkeeper of over 300 games in the league, over 100 games with this Danish national team and multiple World Cups. He'll be my co-commentator tonight. It's as high-profile an analyst as, uh, as we've got, really, in, uh, in not just A-League radio football, but in Australia. It's a pleasure that Thomas Sorensen has now decided to call Australia home after being in Denmark and in Europe for so long. He'll be my co-commentator. He'll be with us later on this hour as well. Jordan Canelo with you on the Macca's run. Don't forget the Cats. Melbourne 5 memberships are buy one, get one free. Today only. Join now, membership.geelongcats.com.au. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive-thru. The Macca's Run continues next. The Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. The Macca's, juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Macca's today. Welcome back to the Macca's Run here on SEN. Jordan Canellis with you this Wednesday night. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive-thru with the McValue Bundle for just $24.95 here from Amy Park. Melbourne City and MacArthur going through their full warm-ups before the start of this match. And we'll preview this encounter in just a moment. Kickoff is at uh, five minutes past seven, so it's only 25 minutes away. Uh, today was AFL Captain's Day. They've had their say on, uh, on their thoughts ahead of the season, uh, giving us their predictions in the, uh, the polls and the surveys that the AFL traditionally run for the skippers ahead of the season. Firstly, let's hear from the uh, Carlton and Richmond captains, Patrick Cripps and Dylan Grimes, who's uh, one of the new co-captains at the Tigers along with Toby Nankervis but it was Cripps and Grimes talking about the traditional, normally traditional season opener, it'll be the second game now of the season but talking about Carlton v Richmond on Thursday night in round one We're big on sort of earning the respect this year so um, we're excited um, it's always good playing round one but uh, yeah, it'd be nice to knock them off I really feel that, I mean I, I expect this to be the most competitive out of, um, out of the last few years Patrick Cripps and Dylan Grimes ahead of the, uh, the clash on Thursday night in Round number one. A couple of the headlines from today in the AFL worlds, uh, mostly around the addition of a couple of players to rookie lists via the, the preseason supplementary selections. So West Coast have three more players that they've added to their list. They had Hugh Dixon, a uh, former uh, Fremantle tall forward slash ruckman, a couple of days ago, but they've added three more today. So former Richmond midfielder Patrick Nash, ex-Brisbane midfielder Tom Joyce, and uh, former Fremantle Ruckman Luke Strinaditsa have been added to the squad. So they've got three more added now. This is um, after the fact of Tom Cole and, and Campbell Chesser being added to their inactive list with long-term injuries. So topping up, Patrick Nash and uh, Tom Joyce were both pretty impressive for the Eagles in their uh, pre-season game against the Dockers on the weekend. St Kilda have added Jared Lynott to their uh, rookie list as well, the former Port Adelaide defender. Played 22 games for the Power between 2018 and 2021. He's 27 years old, so the true age player they get uh, to add to their defence, and that'll help offset the, uh, the long-term loss of uh, Nick Caulfield with the, the knee injury. Um, in cricket today, the Marlebone Cricket Club have changed a couple of laws to the game of cricket. 
and this will be uh, this will be expansive worldwide. So one of the major major changes will be regarding new batsmen coming to the crease after a catch. So normally it's sort of been encouraged in, in cricket to, uh, you know, if it looks like you're going to be caught out, get the batsman to cross so that at least the uh, the inform, the hot batsman at the non-strikers end can get on strike for the next ball. That'll be nullified now with the new laws. It's going to be that the new batsman who comes out into the middle will have to take strike regardless of if the previous pair of batsmen crossed or not. So the new batsman takes strike regardless of crossing. In addition, saliva to polish the ball will be outlawed now, and that'll be considered ball tampering. And also, mancad dismissals will be regarded as a legitimate part of the game now. So the stigma around, is the mancad legal? Is it not? It is now officially legal. There is no stigma. You can do it without... without uh, not that there was any repercussions, but without being frowned upon, let's say, uh, in, the, uh, in the cricketing world. And the NRL season gets underway as well this weekend. Melbourne Storm have named their team for round number one. Kicks off tomorrow night. Uh, Penrith take on Manly. But the Storm's first game will be on Saturday night against the West Tigers at Combank Stadium in the west of Sydney. Uh, Melbourne Storm in the off-season have had some some pretty high-profile departures. Josh Adokar has left to go to the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs. Dale Finucane's off to Cronulla. Nico Hines as well is going to the Cronulla Sharks, uh, among a couple of others. Those are the main ones. The big inclusions for the Storm this season, 20-year-old winger Xavier Coates from the Brisbane Broncos, who uh, even as a teenager had been selected as... Uh, one of the starting wingers in the Queensland State of Origin team. So this guy is one of the up-and-coming wingers in the NRL, and he's with the Melbourne Storm this season to help offset the loss of Josh Adokar. And fullback Nick Meaney from the Canterbury Bulldogs uh, has joined the Storm to help offset the loss of Nico Hines. But he won't be playing at fullback. He'll be playing at 5-8 this weekend against the Tigers, filling in for the suspended Cam Munster. So no Cam Munster to start the season uh, for the Storm as he's out with a suspension. So those are a couple of the major stories. And quickly as well, one from uh, international sport today. This is the major, or two of the major headlines from American sport is in the NFL. Two big off-season moves. Firstly, Russell Wilson has been traded to the Denver Broncos. This is a massive move that probably will ignite the transfer and free agency period among the quarterbacks in the NFL. He's been in Seattle for 10 years. He's won a Super Bowl in his second season with the Seahawks. Denver haven't really had a proper quarterback since Peyton Manning retired in 2015. They've chopped and changed among five or six quarterbacks. But Russell Wilson, who is one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, will be at the Denver Broncos in exchange for Drew Locke, who is a quarterback of of lesser quality. Uh, He'll go back the other way to Seattle. Noah Fance will go to Seattle as well. And also two first-round draft picks and two second-round draft picks as well, all going in exchange for Russell Wilson, plus a couple of uh, lower-end draft picks as well, fourth and fifth rounds. Uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter described it as one of the largest trades in NFL history. And then one of the most significant re-signings was Aaron Rodgers, who has signed a new deal to stay at Green Bay after nearly two years of discontent at the Packers and feeling like he wasn't being listened to uh, when it came to personnel decisions from the from the board, uh, and having labelled last season curiously as the last dance, for foreshadowing maybe that he would leave Green Bay at the end of the season just finished, he's decided to stay. Uh, he's signed. He announced via Twitter a couple of days ago that he would stay at the Green Bay Packers. The NFL Network are reporting he's signing a four-year deal worth 200 million US dollars. Although the final figure has been disputed, but. Um, certainly, uh, those two headlines have all but ignited the uh, the off-season player movement period in the NFL. It's not just ignited; it's created an inferno. Those are two huge 
moves in American sport. The Maccas run, we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side of this. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Maccas drive-thru. Uh, we'll have a chat to Thomas Sorensen next, ahead of the Melbourne City v MacArthur match in the A-League tonight on SEN. The Maccas run with Sam Hargraves. For Maccas, juicy Angus beef and the lot. Dine in and try the Aussie Angus at Maccas today. Welcome back to the Maccas run. Jordan Canellis here filling in for Sam Hargraves this evening. Get tonight's dinner sorted at your local Macca's drive-thru with the McValley bundle for just $24.95. Uh, Thomas Sorensen is going to be my analyst tonight uh, in our A-League clash, Melbourne City and MacArthur, which starts in a matter of minutes. Uh, Thomas, welcome. Good to see you again. Yeah, great to be on. Uh, you know, again, games are coming thick and fast. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, rescheduling, but... Uh, you know, it's going to be a good, good, really good game tonight. You know, we've got two attacking teams. Uh, you know, they're, they're right up there with, with goals scored and, and chances created. So we'll be hopefully be in for a blinder. I didn't know you were an NFL fan, by the way. <laughs> Your ears. You know, I was just listening to you talking about, you know, the big trades of today. Yeah, and no, I'm massive uh, for going back 12 years through my villa times, actually. Uh, the club was bought by uh, an owner of an NFL team, and I started supporting the Cleveland Browns and didn't know how bad they were but uh, <laughs> you know as I've been going through thick and thin a little bit like football fans you know it, it's up and down and uh, you know it's just great to uh, to to talk about sport and uh, now we've got a, a great game here tonight. Yeah we'll talk about the A-League in just a moment we'll uh, we'll get into that properly after after seven so in, in a matter of minutes but um, let's talk about what's been happening on the continent firstly the Champions League this morning we're into the second leg matches now of the round of 16 in the Champions League and uh, Bayern Munich and Liverpool secured their progression through the quarters. It's pretty plain sailing, wasn't it, for Bayern Munich, who won on aggregate 7-1 against, or 7-2, against Red Bull Salzburg from Austria, and uh, Robert Lewandowski scoring the fastest hat-trick in Champions League football. 23 minutes it took him to score three goals in that match this morning. Yeah, it doesn't really surprise us. Uh, <laughs> you know, again, I think just the consistency he showed... Um, Really disappointed he didn't get the Ballon d'Or. I think he has, he has yeah. deserved it on the back of, you know, last year, the award not being given and then being snubbed. Uh, with, <laughs> I don't know what that was, with AC Milan and... Uh, Great bit of music, though. I know. It's, <laughs> it's just, just pumping up our uh, football chat here. Uh, AC Milan and Inter Milan being the dominant forces. But, yeah, I saw the saw the, most of the second half of, uh, of that match uh, this morning and Inter had a red card right as their goal was scored. So mm -hmm. they, they scored went a goal up and then we're down to 10 men and Liverpool were just putting the forward press on pretty much for the r remaining half hour and gave no space at all to Inter to get that equaliser. And that just, they squeaked. I mean, they won the match, but they lost the, the tie overall Inter and Liverpool get through. Yeah, no, it's hard enough to win at uh, Anfield with 11 men, uh, you know, and to, to go that goal up and then, as you said, one minute later, you, you, you get a man sent off. I think, you know, that, you know, just took the sting out of that hope that they, they had and, and Liverpool are too good to um, you know unless there's a fluke you know you, you always live with you know with that chance of that happening but uh, you know they uh, again controlled it after that and I don't think it was out uh. yeah and then tomorrow morning we've got Manchester City against Sporting CP from Lisbon Portugal but Man City lead that that tie 5-0 so <laughs> it's gonna be a long way back for the Portuguese side uh, but the one that's very much alive is Real Madrid and PSG. Yeah, what a cracker that is. Yeah, it's going to be huge. PSG have a 1-0 lead, but this uh, tomorrow morning's match is at the Bernabeu at uh, Madrid's home ground. So that's the one to watch at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, for sure. You know, the, the, these are the games, you you know, that's what the Champions League is, is all about. You know, that's what is so exciting. You, you, you've obviously got Messi, uh, Mbappe, hopefully he didn't play at the weekend, so hopefully he'll be playing. 
uh, and Neymar's leagues. You know, that just those, those three is, is fantastic, uh, you know, and, and mouthwatering to look forward to. So it's going to be an exciting game. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side of this, and it's A-League time. Melbourne City, MacArthur next. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.